Wing Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to Part 7 of Sun and Fun 2021. These are the live interviews from April 15th, and that was on a Thursday. And they're from the deck of Sun and Fun Radio. Don't forget, you can listen to all the interviews on liveatc.net slash SNF. The ones we bring to you here are the ones that we've done. Let's do the pre-flight. Before I begin, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Spartan College of Aeronautics, for sponsoring both Sun and Fun Radio and the Stuck Mike Avcast. They're providing 50 free scholarships, guys, to our podcast listeners by simply visiting stuckmikeavcast.com slash free. So if you're ready for your aviation career to take off, visit spartan.edu to find out how you can accelerate your career in aviation. You know, Spartan was established in 1928, and Spartan College of Aeronautics and Technology is one of the nation's first technical training schools for aviation and pilots. Spartan College has trained over 100,000 pilots during its over 90-year history. You know, with the purchase of 32 new Piper Archers, you'll train using the newest technology in the industry. To find out more, go to spartan.edu spartan college of aeronautics and technology will accelerate your aviation career and help you reach new heights again spartan is both a sponsor of the stuck mike avcast and sun and fun radio thanks again to spartan for supporting both our communities now entering cruise flight so again welcome to a special edition these are the interviews that are from the deck from the 15th of april and that's on the thursday and these are the ones, again, that we did. So let me just tell you which ones are coming up. We have nine interviews. The first one is uh, Aviation Safety Re- Resources, Larry Williams. He talks about ballistic shoots. Second is Highlights with Eric Crump from Polk State College, Polk State Aerospace. And uh, he brings us into the show. A really interesting discussion we had with him. Third is Avdoc51, and that's Dr. Bush from Stallion51.com. He is actually the aviation medical examiner there in Kissimmee, Florida. Has some great information about how you can keep your medical. Fourth is one of my favorites, of course, having lived in the Bahamas, is the Islands of the Bahamas. Uh, And they're going to tell us a little bit about both what you can do to visit and also how you can visit as a pilot. Fifth up is the Platinum Group. That's the Hurricane Light, Michael Bernhardt. Uh, thanks, Ken Cage, uh, for actually donating that to us this year. And that's how we actually sanitized uh, all the microphones and everything on the deck. Uh, he talks a little bit about that product, so we'll let him talk about that in number five. Next is Women in Aviation, Women Shine. Uh, Liz Booker and Angie Fox are going to talk a little bit about uh, promoting aviation uh, to women and just about everybody out there. And then the seventh interview is Air Transport International, Holly Harper. They're one of the new clients here, or excuse me, tenants at Lakeland Airport, and they're flying uh, those big airplanes out uh, for Amazon. They're going to talk a little bit about Amazon, a little bit about uh, uh, what they're doing as far as hiring is concerned. Number eight interview is Deland Sport Aviation Showcases, Jana Phillip. 
Uh, Jana Phillip is uh, just a terrific person, and uh, you can find them at sportaviationshowcase.com. Talks a little bit about the event that's coming up this year. Finally, we have lunch with AOPA. We both have the president, Mark Baker, and also Tom Haynes is going to be on the deck with us. That's a big, it's a 25-minute interview, two parts, uh, very interesting things that we talk about. The love of aviation and some other things as far as what they're doing to promote aviation. Well, folks, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go ahead and listen to all those interviews. You know, joining me on the deck today is somebody who's uh, increasing aviation safety, and that's uh, Larry Williams, AviationSafetyResources.com. They're actually right here on the field in A95. Hey, Larry, welcome to the show. Good morning, Carl. Glad to be here. We're super happy to be at Sun and Fun after a year and a half absence of any in-person shows. Right. (laughs) The weather is great. (laughs) It sure is. You know, Larry is no stranger to uh, aircraft and aircraft safety. We're going to talk a little bit about that later, but uh, you have AviationSafetyResources.com. Tell us a little bit about what that is and what your products are. So we develop, engineer, test, and ultimately sell whole aircraft emergency recovery systems that can be put on an airplane so that in the event of an in-air emergency, you can deploy the parachute system and it'll recover the aircraft and bring you down safely, literally, where you release your safety belt and open the door and walk away. Wow. And, you know, a lot of people, there's some debate over as to why do I need uh, a parachute? You know, of course, us pilots, we don't think we need parachutes, right? Yeah, that's right. We get that a lot. But I will tell you, the tide has turned quite a bit now, uh, thanks to Cirrus, who's made this uh, standard equipment on their airplane, thanks to light sport aircraft like the flight design airplane that uses a recovery system as standard equipment. And the truth is, like I like to say, if you need a parachute, you better have one. And I understand about the egos and the ability to fly the airplane, and I agree with that 100%. Fly the airplane, glide it down if you can, but if you're in an environment, maybe it's a structural failure, you have an incapacitated pilot, you're over water, you're over inhospitable terrain, you have a mid-air collision, there are a number of environments that I can name where the recovery system is really your your option, your best option. So I liking it to being an airbag on a car. I'm selling a product that I want you to have, but I never want you to use it. You know, and, and to further that analogy, I always liken it to the autopilot. You know how we all say we don't need autopilots. We wound up realizing how, how much safer it is to fly, especially in the IFR environment. Uh, so uh, aviation safety resources is uh, manufacturing these? distributing them, and uh, what type of aircraft are we seeing them in now, just to give us an idea? Yeah, so we're fairly new. We started this program focused on vertical takeoff and landing, and you probably know there's a whole new mode of transportation. Mm -hmm. There's over 400 designs being developed now, and a standard recovery system won't work in that environment because you have no forward speed. So the only way to inflate the parachute canopy is with altitude loss. And when you're only flying 500 feet or so off the ground, there's not enough room or enough time to get a a parachute out. So we started developing a system with that problem in mind. And as we looked at new technology, um, we realized that the current aviation market, the standard uh, fixed-wing type market, that there's room for improvement there. And we set out to be 20% lighter. Uh, 20 to 40% less volume, 10% less cost, 
and a longer repack cycle. Uh, the first half of my career, for example, was in the aircraft rescue and firefighting business. So I've been there. I've pulled people out of planes. Right. And the issue is we want more accessibility. So we wanted to make it more economical for people to put it on. We wanted to take weight out because we're sensitive to how much weight right. impacts the operation of the aircraft. And I'm really, really proud to say that by using new technology, using new products like composites, we have a composite cylinder, not, a, not an aluminum cylinder. We did a lot of work on the canopies themselves to take uh, weight out and take mm-hmm. volume out. And using new high-tech materials. I had somebody in the booth yesterday that described it as Spider-Man. You know, we've got this this <laughs> new material that really does make a big difference. And we've achieved those goals, and we're very, very happy about that. And my dream is, what I really want to accomplish here is to get more product out there that people can afford, they can get it on their airplane, because ultimately it saves life. The technology absolutely works. Absolutely. And I, I know people who have saved their lives. And I know people have been reticent to pull it, and it didn't help them at all. Right. So one of the things I want to get a little more granular on this is uh, you talked about weight savings and talked about repack cycles. We all t- discussed that at the airport. You know, if you're going to buy a certain aircraft, you have to repack in 10 years. Give us an idea what the actual weight savings is. The repack cycles also. So uh, let's talk about sport aircraft, whether it's experimental, kit built, even LSA. Typical repack cycles that are out there with other products today is six years. Our repack cycle is actually 12 years, so we worked really hard to essentially double that. That lowers the total cost of ownership over time because you can spread that out better. Weight savings right now, we targeted 20%. We've got some of the smaller systems, like uh, we've got the ASR-80, which is for an 800-pound airplane. We've actually achieved about a 35% weight reduction in that product uh, overall. So we're beating our 20% goal so far, bringing the weight down. And then cost, we're, we're very focused on keeping it 10% below what the market is uh, overall. And uh, we're doing a really good job, I think, of meeting those goals. So let's look also at the usefulness of the of the shoot. You know, we there's been debate over year when should you yeah when should you pull the shoot that type of thing. It's always, there's always been this issue of you have to have a certain altitude and and we're not going to go in that debate. But but where with this device would I be able to pull it? Yeah. So so this is a really important point. And I'm glad you asked the question because I want to clear up some confusion about that. The truth is there is no minimum altitude to pull the parachute. The fact of the matter is, is the rocket, because it's ballistically deployed, gets the parachute out in less than half of a second. So within less than a second, I've got a big drag device out that's already eating up energy, slowing the airplane down. So even if I'm 100 feet off the ground, I can deploy that system. The canopy doesn't necessarily have to completely inflate because I'm eating up so much energy by having this big drag device out. Now, we've designed a canopy to open very, very quickly. Now, this doesn't sound like a big deal or that it should be really hard to do, but it is. Uh, Because if you open it too fast, it blows up the canopy. So I tell people, if you're driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour, stick a paper bag out the window, it's going to blow up, right? So we have to design that, that parachute to take that loading but still be able to open rapidly. And in fact, in our ASR-60s and our ASR-80s, 
we don't have a slider, uh, which retards the opening. So really, our ultimate goal, especially in VTOL, is to get the parachute out and open within 100 feet. 100 feet? 100 feet. Wow. So my thing is, if you're in an emergency, pull the parachute. Don't yeah. worry about the altitude. Pull the parachute. Absolutely. And I think uh, having the ability to, to pull it and be useful at 100 feet, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. and we're getting there. It's a challenge uh-huh. to be able to inflate it. But, again, we're slowing you down, and, and there's so much drag that's coming out that it, it's useful no matter what altitude you happen to be at. And so in a lot of people, you're talking about VTOL, that's coming, uh, and that's where it's going to help right there and having that lower altitude requirement. But also, I think one of the things that we, we look at from an owner's standpoint is that cost to repack, the time, et cetera. Um, uh, I've been asked this a lot. How long does it take them to actually do that repack? I mean, what type of, of maintenance cycle we're we looking at? Yeah, so on our sport product, the repack cycles every 12 years. You send it back to us. We actually unpack the parachute. Sometimes we change the lines, making sure there's no unusual wear or moisture that's gotten in. And we repack it. Everything's pressure packed. Uh, to lower the volume, and then we send that back. Our goal is is that we can get that turned around within a week. So if you if we have it in our shop on Monday, it should go out to you on Friday. That's pretty darn quick. Yeah, that's pretty darn quick. Where can I find you on the field here? First of so all, so we're in the A hangar booth ninety five. We also recently purchased Strong parachutes, which is in the C hangar. So we invite people to go and look at Strong as well. And I also would like to give a, a, a quick thank you and a shout out to a couple of our key customers here. Kolb is here that's putting our units on. We've got Sure Wings that's got a unit installed here that you can go look sure at the wings. installation and see where it is. Um, and we've got a number of other deals. We announced Speed Aircraft, for example, that we're putting right. a system on. And also, if you want information about the electric e-flyer that Buy Aerospace is doing, we're standard on that airplane, and we've got some information in our booth about that. Well, outstanding. We're going to get everybody on the deck here to do – we're doing our sanitization procedure here. Right. And uh, I do appreciate your coming. But first of all, there's people listening to us on the Internet, liveatc.net slash SNF. You probably have a website. Right. So they can find you at aviationsafetyresources.com. That's correct. And any show specials? Yeah, we're giving a 10% reduction if you sign up and uh, pay a deposit. We ask for a 30% deposit down, and we're, uh, we're able to meet deliveries now about July with the backlog and, and kind of where we are. We're doing a lot of testing and so forth now, too, but we're very busy. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Larry, for coming by. Larry Williams is, like I said, no stranger to the safety industry and the parachute industry. Absolutely excited about this. Anything we can do to make aircraft safer and help us pilots stay safe. Carl, thanks so much. much. I appreciate being here. This is Bill English of the Stuck Mike Avcast with Sun and Fun Radio. We're over in Hangar C today at uh, Sun and Fun. We are at the Seaplane Pilots Association booth talking with Mark Rassi. He's the field director of Wisconsin for the SPA. Mark, tell us a little bit about the Seaplane Pilots Association. I mean, I guess most people can figure it out from the name. What, uh, What sort of things does the SPA do? Well, the biggest issue that we have basically in our facet of aviation is that we want to protect and promote water flying 
And this isn't just in the United States, it's globally around the world. And so our organization is primarily to do that, and we are an advocacy group that, if you will, will fight on behalf of our members and pilots that have seaplanes and and uh, to keep that uh, protection of water and equal access to waterways across the globe. That is our main purpose. Uh, as far as our booth here at uh, Sun and Fun in uh, Hangar C, uh, obviously we're all glad to be back uh, after the pandemic year and, and cancellation of last year. Uh, we've had a really good uh, turnout of people coming through the booth. We're just really glad to be here. Well, that's great. And I'm, you know, I'm a seaplane pilot myself, and I know, I know the joys of that. Let's uh, talk about training a little bit. What uh, people can do. Is it, is it difficult to find a place to train and, uh, and get your water wings, so to speak? Well, one of the um, publications that we do have is our seaplane training guide. And in there, it shows all the flight schools across the country uh, by state where you can select where you can get your training. There are multiple across each state. Florida, of course, is a very busy one because of the great weather that is here, you know, 365 days a year. You can go all the way from Alaska and up into Maine and everywhere in between to find flight schools. So I had somebody uh, come to the booth this morning and they asked, well, you know, why would I get my rating? Because I'm probably not going to use it. And so I went on a little bit of a tangent to say that I have life experiences that, and an example might be that I go up to Canada fishing or that I go out to Colorado hunting. And I said, in the end of that week, I spend some money. You know, it might be a couple thousand dollars-ish. And in the end, you know, it's not about the fish I bring back or, you know, the steak that I bring back. I said, it's really about the experience. So by getting your seaplane rating, it's not simply the rating that you're going to get on a piece of paper that's going to be in your wallet. Yes, some people do it for that. However, I think it's more importantly to, to be able to get that experience. And if you get the bug, you know, then you're going to probably want to continue to um, maybe pursue other avenues of water flying. But if not, in the end, you end up with an awesome experience. So I certainly recommend it. Some people call it a bucket list item. It certainly can be that, and it also can be a passion. I got my first airplane ride, which was in a seaplane, at the age of 12. And now fast-forwarding, I'm not going to tell you how many years, fast-forwarding through those years, I have a tremendous passion for water flying because of that one experience. And so I now, yes, I am a seaplane owner, an operator, and I fly a lot. Yeah, that sounds good. And, and you know, you touched on the um, uh, the experience, the bucket list, and, and it's training experience too, right? Pilots, we're always looking for that, that extra experience, that extra um, training uh, aspect. Uh, can you talk any about that too, that it could even help out a person who may never get in a seaplane again? Well, a- absolutely. So, you know, there are um, many pilots that once they get their training, and let's say they do have a seaplane rating, now what we want is that advocacy. We want to share that experience with people. Uh, we do have people all across the country that have uh, outfits where they give just simply seaplane rides. I, I certainly don't want to ever have a seat go empty when I go flying. And I, I've flown a lot, a lot of uh, first-time seaplane pilots, or, or I mean passengers. It, it's really been an awesome experience to share. 
Yep, it, it really is. Come on by uh, Hangar C, Seaplane uh, Pilots Association, and uh, you'll be able to check out all the different items that they have, uh, their magazine, they've got products here. You can take a look and see where you might be able to get seaplane training in, in your local area and any of their other uh, advocacy that they do. Um, Mark, anything, anything else you'd like to add about the SPA's activities? Well, you know, like I mentioned early, you know, in our conversation is that the main purpose that we are here is as an association to protect and promote water flying. And we do that through our membership. It is very important that we have people that have a passion for water flying, even those that maybe only have it as a dream to maybe fly on the water. As a membership, you know, we can then use that membership dues to do our advocacy across the country. And so as a, you can become a, a $59 member, and in that membership, that's a one-year membership. Obviously, we, as an organization, like I said, we have advocacy. We um, have a protection of seaplane access across waterways, not just here in the United States, but globally. We have an awesome full-color water flying magazine that you'll get. We have uh, discounted insurance uh, programs. Obviously, I already mentioned the seaplane uh, training guide that's available. That's really uh, handy. One of the things that I probably would say is one of the biggest value items, especially if you are an active seaplane pilot, is our water landing director. Probably one of the biggest questions I get, other than where can I get my seaplane rating, is once I get that seaplane rating and I have my seaplane, where can I land? That's probably one of the biggest questions we get. So the short answer is there's an app for that. We as an association have created a database of waterways and in that database it will show you open waterways, restricted waterways, or closed waterways. It also gives you destinations, resorts, restaurants, uh, flight schools, and uh, so by becoming a member, you have access to that information. And that's, again, one of our bigger values. And then we have a calendar of events all across the country. And where do you know where to go? You know, if you want to be around other seaplanes and seaplane pilots, by being a member, you can see our calendar, whether it's on our new website or in our magazine. And then, of course, we have safety seminars. I mean, one, you know, we're, we're all about safety. We're standing next to our PFDs that we have here on display and for sale. We're not selling them to make money. We're selling them because they're a safety item that we feel is necessary. You don't have to be a seaplane pilot to join, right? Absolutely not. No, and we get that question quite a bit. No, we just uh, you ha- want you to have a passion for it, you know, so. Excellent. Well, we're here talking with Mark Rassi of the Seaplane Pilots Association. Mark, where do people find uh, SPA online or on social media? Okay, well, uh, that would be at uh, the Seaplane Pilots Association uh, website or in uh, Hangar C at Sun and Fun. And we'd love to have you come by and stop, and uh, even if it's just to come say hi. Very good. Uh, thanks to Mark Rassi, seaplanepilots.org, uh, the Seaplane Pilots Association. This is Bill English with Stuck Mike Avcast and Sun and Fun Radio. And now, back to the Sun and Fun Radio deck for Chats from the Deck Live. Well, thanks, Dave. I really appreciate that. You're listening to liveatc.net slash SNF. You're at 15, 10 a.m. Don't forget, you can stream this online all day long, all night. And if you're going to watch the air show, make sure you stream it there. Liveatc.net slash SNF. 
Today joining me is uh, AvDoc51 from Stallion51, Dr. William Bush. Hey, Doc. How you doing today? I'm doing great. A beautiful day to be here. It's always a beautiful day to be at an airport, isn't it? It's Absolutely. A passionate aviator, uh, somebody who's uh, come up through the ranks in aviation, through the military and, and uh, Navy as a flight surgeon, and also somebody who's an aviation medical examiner. One of the things that's really important about your medical is to keep it. And uh, what you have done is you've done a great job of helping people keep their medicals. Big shout out to you about that one. I have a lot of friends that go to you, so that, that we really appreciate what you do for the aviation community. Appreciate it. As a matter of fact, uh, what you're doing here at Sun and Fun is a seminar to help people. So when the FA maybe says no, you make sure they say yes. So tell us a little bit about this as far as the seminar that you're doing at the FAA. It's going to be, by the way, uh, Thursday and Friday, I should mention that, at 11 at the Central Florida Aerospace Academy building. And you can go check out this seminar. It says, getting the FAA to say yes to your medical. Well, the uh, seminar I'm going to give is basically just a basic orientation as to what perspective the FAA views the pilots and the pilot medicals. So we'll cover that. We'll cover some chain of command things, some techniques, uh, some maybe some medical aspects. And I'll explain to you the process of what happens, uh, you know, from the time you walk in an AME's door, like myself, till the time you have your special issuance. And that's what the whole uh, procedure is about. And then we'll have question and answers at the end. So that's pretty much it. The person that was going to would come to this is someone who's concerned about possibly getting a special issuance or trying to prevent that from happening? Well, the big picture is anybody can come, of course, and it's good knowledge for everybody to know what the the, uh, the uh, pilot medical certificate is all about, why it does what it does, why it represents what it does, and why it's considered important to the FAA. Those are good general things to know for the future, so that when you, when and if you do have an issue, then you're kind of oriented in knowing what's going to happen. I think uh, it's great that you mentioned that, because a lot of people don't realize some of the ramifications of certain sicknesses that we have. You know, there's this uh, COVID thing going around, and a lot of people have had it. Uh, there, there are some ramifications there. I know the FAA has given guidance to you folks as yes. a, a, aviation medical examiners as of March 31st, uh, and there's people that are worried about that. Uh, we can talk about that for two seconds. I don't want to take much away from your, your seminar, but I think most people don't have to worry, especially if they haven't been hospitalized. That's correct. Uh, the, if there is secondary complications, the FAA is concerned about those and managing those. But a simple case of having a bad cold that, oh, by the way, tests positive, once you're recovered from that, it's pretty much a done deal. It's yeah. all about the secondary and the, you know, the other conditions that can uh, linger with that. So one of the things that I think is, is concerning everybody is, is that, being able to keep their medical, especially if they've gone to the hospital. Uh, I think people get confused about that term you used, is the deferral and the denial. So maybe you could explain what the difference is there. Okay, that's a good point. Um, when an aviator comes to the AME, and I'm going to use AME synonymous with flight surgeon because that's what we say in the military. When, an AME goes to his, when a pilot goes to his flight surgeon for a medical and gets the exam conducted, the doctor, the flight surgeon, has three options. He can, one, issue the pilot the medical certificate, class one, two, or three. Okay? Fair enough. Most people, that's what happens. Or the doctor can deny the medical application, or he can defer the application. Denying means ain't no way. Deferring means he's going to send it in for the FAAs to make the decision. So there's issue, you get it on the spot. 
Denial, you don't get it. Defer means you're going to send it to the FAA for their decision. And that's really what happens. The, I don't know of any flight surgeon AMEs that actually give denials. That's what the FAA gives. But technically, you can do it. So issue, denial, defer. So really, in practicality, the AME really either issues or defers. Right, practically speaking. Uh, you know, I guess this, this question a lot, you know, can you give an example of something where they would deny you? I mean, I, I can't come up with anything. Well, now, th- that's something that the flight surgeons won't do. I mean, the FAA even tells you, don't okay. deny them. Let us be the bad guy. Right, right. Sure, okay. if you have some, there's some things that are, you get denied. Right. You know, I mean, like, there was a few out there, but the point is, most of the time, you can get past the this, this situation by doing what they want you to do, proving your health, and getting special issues. If people are worried about a special issuance uh, or worried about their health in general as far as it applies to their medical, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? Should they just go ahead and go, go to the examiner and start the medical? Well, of course, if you're a pilot and you like to fly, I mean, the best thing to do is have good preventative maintenance program. I mean, maintain the weight, maintain your exercise, cut down on bad things. And you know what they are, Snickers bars and cigars and whiskey. I mean, you know... <laughs> be a good guy and do the best you can and if you got an issue you could call up an ame or your ame and discuss it with him before you come in so he can make sure you guys do the paperwork right but other than that you just come in you find out what the issue is what the fa wants and then you comply we're talking to uh, Dr. Bush here from uh, Avdoc51. You can find them at stallion51.com, stallion51.com. Uh, I think also, besides the, the seminars, is there a place maybe someone could come see you if you're, you're hanging out here? Well, I'll be hanging out in general uh, next three days, but uh, the Stallion 51 uh, pavilion over there, the bus they call it or whatever, where the, the big thing is. So, yeah, I'll be around there, and, and if I'm not there, the people there will know where I'm at. When someone's going to get their medical, and I, I get this question a lot, too, from, from my students, is, you know, how do you get ready for this? How do you get ready for your medical exam? Because this is something new to most people. Well, for the first-timers, of course. Now, if you're a 60-year-old airline pilot that's been flying for 40 years, that's different. But, yeah, the first-timers, uh, they need to go on to do the Med Express, which is an evolution in itself, setting up an account, getting the password, answering all the questions, reading all the stuff. And basically, you know, be in good shape that day. Don't come to your AME when you're sick. In fact, you can't, we won't let you in the clinic if you've got any symptoms th- these days with the COVID and stuff. So be in good health. Bring your glasses, your contact lenses. Bring a list of your medications. Uh, if you have serious medical conditions, you could be proactive and bring some of your medical records. Uh, but basically, that's it. Speaking of those medical records, if you have had an issue in the past, um, what would you suggest people do uh, as far as those records are, are concerned? How do, how do I go about getting those records together? Well, if you have an issue in the past and you already are on a special issuance, you sort of know what you do. Mm-hmm. If you're not on a special issuance, you're probably going to have to acquire those records. Uh, some, some people maintain a running file of their own medical records. In other words, when they go to the doctor, they ask the doctor's staff afterwards, could I have a copy of my patient visit here? And that's one good thing to do. Uh, the next thing is, if you have a, a complication and you, you know, an issue or, or a medical issue and you need to gather medical records, you'll have to go back to where they are. It may be the hospital, it may be a research place, it may be a doctor's office, and you need to acquire those records to comply with the FAA. And the hard part comes in because a lot of those places don't want to give them up. So my advice to the pilot is to remind them that you or your insurance company paid them 
for that service, and that is technically your records, not theirs. Right, exactly. And stand tall, okay, and don't give up. Is nurse nurse ratchet <laughs> may be a wall, but and if that all if that all fails, then just call your AME and have them work them over. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, I, I tell you, one of the things I hear from a lot of our students is, "Gosh, should I always get scared when I'm going to the doctor, the aviation medical examiner?" I mean, what would you tell somebody that that comes up to me and says that? Any advice? I mean, how can you mean, get over, that, got, that, getting over that angst? You, you know, mean the guy that's nervous or scared of going to an AME? Yeah, he's and, and they're, they're super fit, and I was like, gosh, you got nothing to worry about. There's, there's nothing to worry about because, you know, the AME is there to help you. The exactly. AME is your agent. The AME is your representative, and the AME is his job is to keep you in the cockpit safely. So I wouldn't have any animosity at all. We have people that come in, you know, they have white coat syndrome and all this, but the, the reality is the AME is your friend. I'm glad you said that. And that's that's exactly what I was trying to get to, is the fact that the AME is here to help you, and you should use them as a resource. So, Dr. Bush, I really appreciate you coming up here. And uh, they can find you at stallion51.com. Don't forget, on Thursday and Friday, 11 o'clock, in the CFAA campus building, you're going to be doing a uh, actually a seminar, and that's how to get the FA to say yes. We really appreciate you being here. Well, I appreciate that, too. Thanks a lot. See you Thanks next so time. Thanks so much. And uh, what a, a, an absolutely outstanding advocate for aviation and also aviation medicine. We love having you come back, and we'll see you next time on the radio here at Sun and Fun. Thank you. Joining us on the deck today are uh, some folks from one of those places that I absolutely enjoy. And as some of you know, I used to live down in the Abacos in the Bahamas. And uh, Linda Mackey from uh, the Consul General here, the you're the at the Bahamas Consulate here in the U.S. with the Ministry of, of Tourism. So, Father, come step up to night number four, and a welcome to the podcast. Now, welcome to the show. Excuse me. Welcome to live radio here at liveatc.net. Good morning, and thank you for having having me here. It's Good morning. Thank you for having me here. It's great to be here. Sun and Fun are great partners who promote the Bahamas in such a tremendous way, who've been helpful with a lot of their private pilots who have also assisted us with crisis and mostly now um, and in previous years, promotion, the promotion of the Bahamas. So we're always excited to join you and to be a part of this event. Yeah, it, it's always, I mean, it, it's amazing uh, the islands of the Bahamas and flying over and uh, we love the fact that it's so easy to work with you folks in, in general but uh, first of all I think some people don't understand uh, what the role is of the consulate uh, in the Bahamas so as or the Bahamas consulate excuse me as consul general we operate and um, similarly to an embassy we are primarily there to promote the Bahamas to protect Bahamians in the United States and also to provide a service, which includes passport issuance, visas, to deal with um, any behavior in distress. So essentially, we are very similar to an embassy, but um, we're, we have four consulates within the U.S. And, of course, our embassy in D.C. You know, you've had this uh, great relationship over the years uh, with Sun and Fun. Uh, you've had a booth here, uh, and... Uh, the booth is, uh, I think, over in, uh, let's see if I can find it real quickly here. D20. Uh, D20. Thank you so much. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if you're listening right now online, liveatc.net slash SNF, you can actually check out this wonderful website, bahamas.com. Uh, has some amazing photographs and some uh, really interesting history of the Bahamas. And teach us how we can actually 
uh, fly to the Bahamas in our small airplanes. But, uh, but the relationship here with Sun and Fun has been a long and storied one, that, especially with the Bahamas. You know why? Because we're right over there. We're really, really close. Uh, also, uh, I've been remiss here. Joining us on the deck is uh, our global communications manager, which we've uh, talked to in the past. It's so wonderful to have you back. Call. it's a pleasure to be here again at the Sun and Fun, the 47th, I think it is, um, and to be friends with Sun and Fun Radio, 15, 10 a.m. We love it here. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We'll just get someone to come up and fix the radio, fix the microphone. Um, one of the things that I think has been terrific is the Bahamas has really focused on safety. And uh, with the COVID and stuff like that, I really appreciate what you folks have done. Uh, and have actually been forward-thinking and trying to get people back to the Bahamas. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, for us, Carl, we would like to say, first of all, we cannot say thanks enough to the pilots, the um, the aviation enthusiasts, the visitors that frequent our country. We love you. Um, we thank you. We're appreciative to your generosity in terms and support of coming back to the Bahamas. We were very, very successful with um, handling our, the COVID crisis very early. We were able to keep our COVID cases at bay. And because of that, we were able to open our borders very, very quickly. We've been open actually since July of last year. Wow. Yes. So we are very much open on most of our major tourist hotels, our major um, um, tourism products itself. They're all open for business as well. And we've made it extremely easy. I know the United States have recently implemented for foreign international um, persons coming, leaving the United States and going into other countries that they must have a COVID test um, to come in. But for us, we we implemented very early stringent guidelines and protocols to, like I said, keep our numbers at bay, our COVID numbers at bay. And for entry into the Bahamas, anyone wanting to enter the Bahamas, they must have a negative COVID test. PCR. That's the PCR test. It okay. has to be negative no more than five days prior to okay. traveling to the Bahamas. If you're taking that test and you're traveling on the sixth day, you will be denied entry. But I, but I wanted to say that the COVID test is the PCR test must be negative. No antigen um, rapid test. We don't accept that. And once you have gotten that results back, then you would go on Bahamas.com or you can go on www.travel.gov.bs. You would fill out what we call a Bahamas travel visa application and you would upload your negative tests into that application. There is a $40 fee for entry into the Bahamas and the fee varies. It could be $40, it could be $60, but that is dependent on the length of stay in the Bahamas because it actually covers another test. Once you're there on the fifth day, you have to take another COVID test, but that works well now for the U.S. because you you have to take it anyway to come back. And of course, you know, we're the number one friend to yes. Florida and the United States, yeah. but Florida in particular, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so it works very, very well in, in that regard. So, you know, we are definitely making it easier for us as travelers, but also aviators. And uh, you know, we're here at Sun and Fun Air Show, where a lot of people that are wanting to fly to the Bahamas in our small airplanes. Uh, is there any specials that you have? Anything going on here today, and uh, or any other information you can talk about? Well, we always have specials Good. for our. <laughs> 
um, friends and pilots going to the Bahamas, you can check at our booth at D20 as well. We have a whole lot of different information. We have fuel fuel credits. We have um, credits also for accommodations, but there are requirements. You have to meet um, similar guidelines and requirements for, for those. But we have um, discounted rates at hotels. We do have fuel credits as well. And a ton of other experiences in the Bahamas. So, yes. Awesome. Well, we're going to let our next guest from the Bahamas move on up here and, uh, and talk a little bit about uh, Bahamas tourism. Uh, and, and we, you know, what, one of the things, like I said, is so terrific about the Bahamas is the fact that they are so friendly and they're very much promoting general aviation. Uh, big shout out, by the way, to my friends down the Abacos. As you know, I used to live in Green Turtle Key. And, uh, and the folks there at uh, the Lighthouse, I just absolutely love you and everything that, that you've been doing. Remember, that's one of the, the few lighthouses out there that's still kerosene run and also that's being uh, hand wound. So check that out. It's actually an elbow key and it's Elbow Reef Lighthouse. Uh, joining us today on the deck is uh, it's going to be Nathan Butler from uh, the custom. He's a customs officer, actually, with the Bahamas, and uh, and you're actually over there in the the uh, consulate in Miami. And we've actually talked before. Hey, good to see you, Nathan. Same here. It's uh, it's awesome to to have you on the deck. You know, tell us a little bit. Uh, you're with customs, so let's tell us a little bit of what we can expect uh, uh, and within the customs department and what you folks do. The customs department, first of all, is charged with the responsibility for border protection. And so from an aircraft, from a, from a vessel, from a tourism point of view, it is our job to ensure that the traveler, the pilot, meets all of the requirements, such as the, the declaration forms that he or she is going to file for himself, herself, and his passengers, including the aircraft. So in the, as far as customs, I know we, we work with them often, and, and there's always a lot of angst uh, I think with, with pilots and stuff when we're going over. There's some ways to actually make sure that we aren't nervous when we're going there. We can actually find information, and that's actually going online. Just Bahamas.com, you can find that information, Absolutely. right? And, and they make it easier for you, so you understand what you're, you're coming up against when you come to the Bahamas, because every country is different. Yes. You just have to know the rules. Yes. That's all. It's that simple. Very simple. And, 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 uh, and they're very friendly there as far as a customs agent. Uh, also, I have to give a shout-out here to uh, the folks here. Andy, welcome to the, the deck also. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is uh, – so you're actually with uh, the Bahamas Clear, right? Bahamas and, Preclearance, which is going to allow you to go fly directly into the Bahamas by preclearing in your origina- originating destination right now in Fort Lauderdale. At Fort Lauderdale? Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport at Banyan at Shelter Air at Fort Lauderdale International Airport. You know, we only have about a minute to talk about this, but, but what is the significance of that, that pre-clearance? Boy, that's a good question. The significance about pre-clearance is the fact is we're going to take all the guesswork about going into the Bahamas. A pilot can land or depart from Fort Lauderdale, pre-clear customs, immigration, pay all the duties so there's no more formalities. And the beauty is that they can then fly anywhere in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. They do not have to go to a port of entry, land, pre-clear. It's a one-stop shop. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming here. And uh, if there's anything else you, they want to find out, they go to Bahamas.com. And also, they can visit you guys at your booth. And you're giving away some giveaways to the pilots there. Where can they find you again? Which booth? 
both D. D20. Uh, love the Bahamas. I miss the Bahamas. i got to go back down there and fly down around the Abacos. There's been some challenges over the years, and you guys have overcome. We really do appreciate you. We're going to go to a break. Don't forget to come back listening to liveatc.net slash SNS. All right. We are back to the deck live here at Sun and Fun 2021, the Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo. We are so glad everybody's joining us. You know, the... The coronavirus and the whole pandemic situation has got everybody concerned. I know I couldn't handle it if somebody got ill from being here at Sun and Fun Radio. Mm. Our friend Ken Cage with Airplane Repo came out. I, I was, we're friends on Facebook. I saw a Facebook Live where he was showing this new light that they're using. Mm-hmm. And I reached out and I said, that thing is amazing. We should look into getting that for Sun and Fun. I think it would be great for sanitizing everything at Sun and Fun. And uh, Ken said, hey, you know, happy to help out. And he actually loaned us the prototype, and that's what we've been doing, and we've been telling people all about it. It's called the Hurricane Light. And, Carl, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, thanks, uh, David. I really appreciate it. And, and by the way, that Hurricane Light has, has really been a blessing to us here on the deck. I first want to say that uh, it's made it so much easier for us to sanitize. I love airplane noise, and that's why we're here at Sun and Fun. Michael Bernhardt here is joining us from the Platinum Group, PlatinumVMGroupInc.com. Yep, yes, yes. And uh, this is that 900-watt UV light that they have, the Hurricane One. Welcome to the show here. Thank you. Appreciate that, Carl. It's, it's I'm amazed at how good or how big this show is. I'm <laughs> oh, really it is. It, it's, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, we appreciate this this device you've put on loan to us. It's uh, <laughs> it's been great for us. Uh, tell us a little bit about that about the 900 watt bulb that's helping sanitize everything here on the deck. Right. By the way, between interviews, every time you hear us pause, we go to those announcements. That's what's going on. You bet. And I'm more than happy to help. Or like I said, we help with you guys with making it very quick and all. But our our 900 watt is a uh, technology that we came up with and we built it now it's portable it was permanently mounted at the start with but now it's uh, portable you can have a backpack you use it it covers everything and we're coming out also with that one's on the 900 watt and we're coming out with a little smaller version here and about uh, roughly 45 days uh, 45 to 6 days we'll have a, a smaller version so easier to handle it kills the coronavirus or eradicates the coronavirus, I should say, in 0.19 second. The one that you're using, the new one coming, uh, is about 0.6 of a second, and it eradicates the uh, uh, coronavirus and everything else around it. That's uh, that's amazingly quick. There's a whole team at the airlines that goes out and sanitizes. They could use this. Oh, sure, you bet, you bet, and it, and you don't have to worry about chemicals and all, and, and the sprays that's out there, and and, and it. You know how that goes. <laughs> well, they got big airplanes, and in general aviation, ours are smaller, and that's what the benefit is of this. I wish people could see this on video. Is that it's so much? It's so much smaller, and it's portable. That's what's so terrific about it. Now, you guys were you were telling me off off deck here, and we were talking that there's complaints being registered by the airlines of uh, seatbelt uh, corrosion. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I think the Blues are uh, passing by, scoping things out. So yeah. our, our interviews for the rest of the time, our live time here before we go to air show, may be interrupted by airplane noise. But as our friend Steve Tupper says, there's pauses for airplane noise, but nobody seems to mind. You were saying they were having corrosion problems. And, and i got to say real quick, that noise there tells me freedom. That's I it. love that noise there. So That is yes. the sound of yeah. freedom. <laughs> it's the sound of freedom. Anyway, yes, it corrodes. What the chemical saw... Are they are using in airplanes will corrode the seat belts. They're starting to corrode all the aircraft uh, metal parts, and also the FAA's come out and says, "Got to stop that. Don't do that anymore. Otherwise, they're going to find the airplanes unflyable." And here comes another jet. Thanks to our listener, Matt Len, he loves the jet noise. <laughs> well, I, I have to too. laugh because they, they, you know, it's, it's loud and it's deafening over the radio, but here comes another one. Stand by. Folks, this is loud and deafening over the radio, but for those of us sitting here on the deck oh. as these guys are pulling those high G turns right over oh, us, wow. the deck is literally shaking from the sound. Oh, what, what All right, so sound. let's get back to this now. There was corrosion. <laughs> they're, they're spraying chemicals on every right. after right. every turnaround. Right. They're, they're, they're spraying chemicals all over. So you're sitting in this stuff, and one of the main sanitizing ingredients in these chemicals is actually a pesticide. Correct. It's poison. It's poison. poison. So they're having issues with people sitting in these things. They're they're corroding things, and it takes time. Yes. What I was amazed by in the video was how fast it worked. Yes. You, what is it? You can do an entire airline with airline or with one of these in ten minutes. No, uh, probably push it more like fifteen. Okay, it, but in fifteen all minutes. But yes, yes, we do like seven thirty-seven in about fifteen minutes or so. And there's no harmful chemicals. There's no no nothing. You're not sitting in anything. We're coming out here, we're using the light, and people are all standing around. It's ineffective after, like, three feet, right? I mean, oh, yeah, not, yeah. yeah you gotta, not like you gotta, you're going to get cooked or anything. No, exactly right. Yeah, it could give you a sunburn if you're within, like, three foot or so to it. But other than that, no. If you're 10, 15 feet away, no issue whatsoever. Uh, it's And you got to keep the light roughly uh, 20 inches or closer to get kill that, uh, eradicate the virus in less than, uh, uh, less than a second. Now, you guys said you took this. Now, my understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is somebody had this on the market, and they were marketing this as their item, and then you guys found out that, oh, no, they, they're they selling somebody else's product. Correct. And you took their product, which was like 75 pounds or some ridiculous number. It was 35 pounds, 35 actually. pounds. Right, and, and we actually had partnered up with them to sell their product, and we told them, this is not going to sell. We need to have a portable unit. And they basically refused. And so I said, okay, we're going to do it. Yeah. So that's that's why we came out with the portable unit. And you got it, and it's selling. And now we have a prototype here. You yep. guys are in production yet? Or Actually, no? that's a production type that you oh, have. Oh, that there. is a production yeah. type. Okay. I started to give you the prototype first, but I gave you the, pro- the production okay. type. Got here in time to hand for you to use it here. So it actually is a production type. It's the 900-watt one. And like I said, we have the new smaller one coming. And we'll have it in about 45 days. It's going to be about uh, 7 pounds, where the one you have here is rough, coming in about 12 pounds. So a little smaller, a little lighter, easier to handle. Okay, now the unit we have, um, I know this technology doesn't come without a price tag. These are $18,000? Uh, $17,900. Yes. But if you mention Sun and Fun to us, uh, we'll, def- we'll sell it to you for $9,000, the complete setup. 
Wow. Yeah. Yes. In the same That's way, a fifty percent discount, folks. E- exactly. And and if you're if you're interested in the Hurricane Two, uh, it sells the full retail price thirteen thousand, and we'll sun, mention Sun and Fun, and we'll sell it to you for sixty eight hundred. All right. So mention Sun and Fun Radio, and you will get a huge discount from our friends exactly. at International Recovery. And it is still IRG International Recovery Group. No, is no, the, or is no this actually, a actually, it's a different one. Ken okay. and I've together with uh, got a couple other partners with it, but it's uh, hurt. It's the Platinum Group. Platinum Group, right? Okay. It's Platinum, Platinum Group Inc. Yes, and it's it's Platinum G R P I N C is is the website. I can't remember that. So folks, oh, just go to <laughs> S go to snfradio.com. Yes. And click on the link on our main page. You, yes. As soon as you hit snfradio.com, you'll see the link for the Hurricane Light. Right. And we appreciate I can't tell you how, how much better I personally feel that right. you guys loaned us this equipment. And it is pretty amazing. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm amazed by it. Now, um, what more can you tell us about it? we still got about four minutes left in okay. the interview sure. here. We? Sure. And, and we're, the, the, we have like three patents we're filing on this because it's, it's designed in such a way so that it kills the, the, the uh, uh, coronavirus in less than a second. And so it, it's, it's easy to use. Uh, it's, it's safer uh, as long as you keep people behind you. People can work around you, whatever, as long as they are not looking at the light or directly in front of the light. You're in great shape. All right, Carl. So you are th- in the airline industry. Yeah. I'm sure you've got a lot more qualified questions than I do. I, I, and I wanted to make a point there. You talked about saving money. Uh, it looks like an, an expensive device, but, but imagine having all those seatbelts and all those corrosive materials on those seatbelts and having to replace those. Those are incredibly expensive. Not to mention the tray tables. Not to mention all the other devices that are attached. Not to mention all the other uh, different things that we have attached to the seats these days. Uh, those are plastic, very corrosive. Uh, one thing they are finding at the airlines of course i won't mention who i'm with but uh one thing we are, we are finding is that it's become very very expensive uh when we do a cleaning not that day not that week not that month but about four to six weeks later we're replacing devices that are incredibly expensive and you know how expensive things are to put on an airplane oh you bet and this will save you a whole bunch of money not to mention the time alone <laughs> you have to have all this staff going throughout the aircraft and doing the cleaning so you're still gonna have to do the regular cleaning not necessarily with all those corrosive materials just like you'd clean off your table at home but now you have this device that you can go through both efficiently and inexpensively, I think, yes. uh, for what, what you're looking at, especially if somebody at an airline. And just think about that. 15 minutes, that's nothing. Uh, right. To go down, you know, 150, 200 passenger airplane. Uh, and then on the, on the civilian, I mean, on the uh, general aviation side, I think that's absolutely terrific. Where can they find this, by the way? Did we mention the, the website? Yes, we did. And as uh, Dave said, if you just go on Sun and Fun's website. We, there, Sun and Fun there. Radio. SNFRadio.com. And the, uh, yeah, just click on that, and you'll go straight to us. Uh, so just reach out to us. Uh, you can reach out to myself here. My phone number is 561-289-3211. Uh, so, uh, yes, so find us. <laughs> and it's snfradio.com. And one of the things I also want to point out as far as sanitation is concerned, in the cockpits at the airlines, uh, we are asked to do certain cleaning ourselves mm-hmm. because obviously certain people can come up in the cockpit. This is one of those few things that they can use. 
uh, because they're not touching any of the switches. And, and that's what's terrific about this. Uh, when we're doing, using those sanitizers, you've got to realize they've given us special gloves to use when we're actually sanitizing our cockpits. And, I, and there's a reason for that yes. because those, those chemicals, I mean, they, they do a great job cleaning, uh, but they also destroy certain things. It's, and you don't want to use it on your, your laptop. That, trust me. You don't want to use it on your laptop. Sounds, that sounds like the voice of experience. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> Again, we've been speaking with Mr. Mike, and my, I'm so, I'm so bad. Bernhardt. Bernhardt. Yep. Yeah, Bern- not Mike a problem. Bernhardt. Don't you worry about that. Of, <laughs> I'm not of, famous like Ken Cage, okay? Let's yeah. just say that. Okay? <laughs> I really, really appreciate them coming here and oh, doing yeah. this. Oh, yeah. And we're glad you glad you came out. And makes we got us about feel safe. 30 seconds left, so I want to remind everybody once more time, 50% discount on the light. Go to snfradio at gmail. I'm sorry, snfradio.com. Click on the link. Learn all about the hurricane light. If you buy one and mention Sun and Fun Radio, you will get a 50% discount. Yes. That is outstanding. Joining me today on uh, the deck for Women Shine, Women in Aviation. Uh, we started this event many years ago with, with Peggy Chambrian, and we, she has been wonderful, a lovely lady, and she's uh, been very inspirational uh, for women and putting forth uh, the, the fact that they can actually do this as a living and we can get more and more people involved. There's just not enough women in aviation, and we're going to talk to two people about how we can get more folks involved. One of the people joining us uh, on the deck right now is Angie Fox. Angie, I really appreciate She doesn't know me, but I know her very well. As you know, I have a lot of... Uh, experience with the local chapter women in aviation i get to watch you guys throughout the year and you have some amazing events welcome thank you so much for having me i want to mention carl too i'm from originally green bay wisconsin so i know austin straubel airport really well it was really cool that they're the sponsor yes and we do appreciate them sponsoring this you are actually one of the folks that co-founded the chapter which by the way hats off to you because i know that's that's pretty tough to get one off the ground co-founder in tampa bay it was we we started off it was a little slow we got going and now we're we are really ramped up we have a lot of activities every month we meet so that's great for the women in aviation tampa bay chapter it sure is also joining us on the deck here is is liz Booker. By the way, I know a lot about you. We got to meet, finally, a really cool uh, website. And you heard us on our other podcast, Stuck Mike Avcast, talk about a lot of the books that she has had on her way, uh, website. And that's actually the aviatrixbookreview.com and is a great supporter of women in aviation. Welcome. Thank you, Carl. I'm excited to be here, too. And I'm a longtime member of Women in Aviation International and have been part of starting up a chapter in Los Angeles. So I know that's a lot of work. And it's really exciting to hear that you guys are getting your stuff off the ground. Yeah, it is exciting. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing first, and then we'll get back to, to the chapter and how to form one, that type of thing. Uh, one of the resources I've always looked for, and this is how we found you, by the way, is resources so that we do a lot of book reviews and we do a lot of picks of the week is uh, books for women in aviation. It was really easy. I found you. Yeah, uh, you know, just, you. Did, just did a search on it. So this is so cool that I get to meet you in person. Uh, but, but with that said, explain to us what uh, this website is and, and uh, what you do as far as podcasting and that type of thing. Sure thing. Uh, th- so like everybody else, last year I was feeling pretty disconnected. And I'm a writer. I retired from the United States Coast Guard after 28 years as a helicopter pilot uh, in 2019 to write full time. And by the end of last year, I was feeling pretty isolated from my aviation community. So I reached out. In the women's um, uh, Facebook groups, hey, does anyone want to do a book club? And we had 600 members in the first week. We have over 1,200 members now, and everyone is welcome, not just women. And when I was looking for books for us to read, I was overwhelmed with how many there were. Uh, And 
a little frustrated with how difficult they were to find. So I built a website just to serve as a central source. And, uh, you know, with that many uh, members in the book club, it's kind of hard to get the small book club discussion feel. So we do that through virtual meetings throughout the month. Anyone can host and anyone can join. And I interview the authors for podcasts and uh, YouTube. So those are all posted on the Aviatrix Book Review website. You can join us on Facebook at the Aviatrix Book Club. And if you're a writer in aviation, a woman writer in aviation, you can join us in the Aviatrix Writers Group because we are networking as well. Well, I know uh, quite a few aviation writers that are females. I will definitely send them your way. Please do. Uh, it's actually terrific what what you've done. Uh, this is so. I, I can't believe someone hasn't done this already. I couldn't either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so hats off to you to starting that and and getting it off the ground and being so successful with it too. Thank you. Uh, you can actually find that at aviatrixbookreview.com, also at literary aviatrix on Instagram. Twitter. Yep. The Twitter Facebook. one is with the with the number eight, but the rest of them are literary aviatrix. You can follow me on Instagram. And if you have a booth here at the air show and you'd like some bookmarks, uh, you can just shoot me a note on Instagram and I'll come by and drop some bookmarks off with our our books of the year. Yeah, make sure if you're a vendor, you do that. Reach out to her and, uh, and have some of those bookmarks dropped off. Hopefully I get one too. Yes, sir. I'm a, I'm a heavy, heavy reader. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about starting a chapter uh, and that is something that is quite quite difficult, but there's an organization that helps you with it, and that's Women in Aviation. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I, I know people are talking, and I hear it a lot, hey, I'd love to start a chapter. Kind of walk us a little bit through that process shortly, you know, as far as getting it off the ground and what kind of support you got from WAI. Well, Carl, thank you. This is Angie from Women in Aviation Tampa Bay Chapter, and we started about five, six years ago. We actually were inspired when we were here at Sun and Fun. We uh, ended up seeing the WAI booth, and uh, WAI on their website, which is WAI.org, they actually have a lot of detailed information about starting a new chapter and basically walk you through all the steps to make it happen, to make sure you're able to get your EIN, your employer identification number in the state of Florida, for example, which is where we are, and then also how to continue and get to grow the membership. And that was extremely helpful for us. What we found worked the best was to have fun um, field trips and tours. So, uh, for example, we're down near McDill Air Force Base, so we're doing that in June. As an example, every month we have something uh, fun. And we've actually done a co-branded one yep. with the Women in Aviation Lakeland chapter. We, we do an annual December cookie exchange. And with COVID, it was a little different. We had to be a little careful last year. But we generally get together. So we found that being able to have resources where we share them together and communicate with each other has been very effective in growing our membership. Well, the cookie exchange was successful. I'm looking at my belly right now. <laughs> you have a happy that. tummy. I do have a happy tummy. Uh, you know, one of the things I think people need to realize, women in aviation is for everybody. I'm glad you both have mentioned that. Uh, yes. It's a big open tent. And one of the things that I love about the organization is that you right here are ambassadors for other females that are looking to get into aviation. I do a lot of career coaching, counseling for them, but I point them to the organization Women in Aviation. It makes them look at somebody that looks like themselves, and they actually are inspired by you, by your stories, and by you just being there. Yep. And doing what you're doing. And you're I think 100% that's, and, on, on message there. And that's Thank terrific because there's a lot of things that I, I can only uh, talk about very lightly, whereas I can say, hey, listen, I know some people that you can talk about those specific topics that have a lot more knowledge uh, than I would. That's for sure. And Women in Aviation has uh, grown over the years. Another thing we need to mention is the fact that they get involved with scholarships. There's an amazing amount of scholarships out there. They also do a lot of out outreach, mentorship, and, and big events throughout the country. 
even locally. We, we do. We have Girls in Aviation Day, which is coming up in September. Um, and, and that basically is all across the country. It's globally um, that people participate in that to inspire uh, young women and men to be involved in aviation. And I do want to mention you talk about we do allow men into our organization. In fact, our co-founder is a gentleman named Daniel Funk, yep. who has hair longer than mine, and he's a helicopter pilot. But he was like, Ange, you've got to do this. And it was because of the scholarships that are available. And many of our members in the Women in Aviation Tampa Bay chapter have taken advantage of those scholarships, which is great. A great way to support the women that want to be involved in aviation. And it's awesome to have people that get things started, like yourself with the website, Liz, and also with you, with your experience in business. Yes. It's, it's outstanding to have both of you and also to pay it forward. I mean, that's one Absolutely. of the biggest things we're doing right here is paying it forward to our next generation of pilots. We are tipping the needle. We're seeing a lot more females getting involved in aviation and uh, hats off to, to your efforts. Where can they find you online? First of all, Angie. As- so we, I built our website, which is waitb.org, which stands for Women in Aviation Tampa Bay Chapter. So waitb.org. You can find it there. We've got connections to our photo gallery, our events, how to become a member, and so forth. So that's the best way to get a hold of us. Angie Fox, uh, Women in Aviation co-founder, Women in Aviation Chapter, Tampa Bay, waitb.org. Also, Liz, how can we find you again online? You can go to the Aviatrix Book Review website. You can listen to the podcast with interviews of the authors. And you can find us on Facebook, the Aviatrix Book Club on Facebook, and join in the discussions, too. And I'm on social media everywhere, Literary Aviatrix. I highly recommend going out to aviatrixbookreview.com. My favorite thing is actually those discussions with the authors. Uh, So go check them out. It's also cool to see them online and and interacting. Uh, So I know we're social distancing, but it's been great to see you guys interact online, which is absolutely terrific. Thank you. And so don't forget Women in Aviation, waitb.org, Women in Aviation, Tampa Bay, and also aviatrixbookreview.com. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much. We're here on the deck here with some special people that we actually get to see all day during the air show, flying here in the air show. Well, actually, they're not flying in the air show. They're flying those those Amazon Prime airplanes that you see out there, those 757s and 767s you see taking off and landing out here. We're so happy. Of course, I'm here in Lakeland. We're so happy to have them here, and we're happy to have uh, ATI, Air Transport International here, that's actually flying uh, those 75s and 76s. We have uh, Holly Harper, Nate Klein, and Christian, and uh, Holly, welcome. This is awesome to have you on, on the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Um, what a, an airplane noise. We're talking about airplane noise a little, a little bit. We absolutely love it here, especially during sun and fun, and that's some of those planes that you hear going by here. Uh, also, Nate, welcome. We have uh, one of the, uh, you're the recruiter and uh, a manager here. Yes, sir. At, at ATI. I want to get to you in a second. Also have a, a Chris, a first officer at Fly. So we got a lot to cover here in just 10 minutes, but First of all, let's talk a little bit about the recruiting. Uh, at this event here, uh, they don't have the recruiting tent uh, this year. It's coming back next year. Uh, but as far as ATI is concerned, it is a part. It, it's actually an airline, and a lot of people, they, they don't realize that. And it's an airline that does contract work for Amazon. What kind of experience are we looking at for the folks to, to actually get hired with ATI? Is it someone who just comes out of flight training? Uh, generally not, Carl. It's not generally somebody that would come right out of flight training. We're normally uh, more of a, a longer-term destination for 
uh, career option for, for pilots. So our typical pilot would come to us from a regional airline and might have somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 hours. Uh, we really like if they do have, uh, you know, have upgraded and maybe have about a year PIC time. That's always nice as well. Yeah, most Makes definitely. Makes it a little easier transition. And they can, oh, by the way, they can find out more uh, at the website. Where's the website again? Uh, our website is uh, airtransport.cc, and our careers page is airtransport-jobs.com. Airtransportjobs.com. Can you give us all the couch right now? I'm just kidding. Well, I don't want to undercut your car. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> it, what, and I tell you what, one of the things that I think people think is they see that big 7576 that's taken off and landing that, like, gosh, I don't know. I, I, someday maybe I can. I'm flying my little 172, but you know what? We all start somewhere, right? And we, and we all get, get that job. First job, maybe flight instructing, et cetera. And, and a testament to that actually is, uh, you know, we have someone here. It's a first officer that flies these. I mean, you, you actually started off flying small airplanes, right? That's where we all get our start. That's correct. Uh, and, Carl, matter of fact, I flew a Cessna 150 in today. So ah, still, <laughs> how, was it a little different landing? Uh, it is a little different. The side picture is a little different. <laughs> and how was that? I mean, it's, do you do fly small GA airplanes? Of course. Um, you know, most of the pilots at our company, or a lot of them there, uh, you know, just everyone loves aviation, and uh, myself included. So it's uh, great to have the opportunity to fly, you know, a wide-body airplane and to be able to still get in the Cessna when you're home. And you actually get to fly these out here? Yes, sir. Awesome, and that and that's actually with uh, with Amazon Prime. But I, I think a lot of people don't realize that there's more to uh, ATI than just Amazon Prime. So, in general, globally, what do you folks do? Uh, so we fly all around the world uh, with you know the Department of Defense and the military. We do combi charters, so we've got some you know where we're moving freight and passengers uh, to you know ATI has brought me all around the world. I've been to islands in the Pacific Ocean that I've never even heard of before ATI. I've been to you know Sydney and Hong Kong uh, and and all over the world with ATI. We do a lot domestically with Amazon as well. They they are you know our largest customer. And I think people think that that big airplane it's domestic. Uh, you're carrying a big airplane, that big of an airplane. Where are you going? Uh, you know, we fly all around the U.S. A lot of our flights are transcon, so we're going from the West Coast to the East Coast. Typically, a lot of flights, our flights in and out of uh, Lakeland are, uh, you know, we go to Sacramento from here in Ontario, California, LAX. So, Chris, you know, one of the things that's really important to us is being uh, friendly, good neighbors here at Lakeland. Uh, I know there's been a few challenges, but one thing that's been great is you guys have been in front of this as far as, uh, you know, some people talking about the noise. What, what have you guys been doing differently? Of course. So it's been great to get to know the local community so that we, you know, we can help together, uh, work together to minimize some of our noise impacts and things like that. Um, there are different routes that we can take on arrival or on departure that we're, we're still kind of setting that up. But uh, we've, we've, I think it's been successful, our talks, you know, in, in putting those into action. Uh, and you know, being able to fly essentially at a, at a lower airspeed and get to altitude quicker to be able to reduce some of that noise for some of our local residents. And we're excited that you're doing that and you're, you're listening, and, and things are changing, which is terrific. I'm, a, I'm actually one of those residents that's, that's off the end of the runway, and, and we have noticed a difference, so thanks so much there. Uh, you know, Holly, we, we're talking a little bit about uh, recruiting. Uh, what's going on? I mean, how, what's happening at ATI? We've been busy. We were yeah. very blessed that uh, with the Amazon flying through the pandemic, um, we have been busy and been continually hiring. Um, currently, we've been interviewing every week. Um, we have hired approximately 84 pilots in the past four months. 
Um, and at Sun and Fun, we were looking forward to coming to the career fair, but instead we decided we would have a booth here. So we are at booth uh, North uh, 076. Uh, so please stop by and see us. We'd love to talk to uh, future pilots, even if you're not at the ATP level. Uh, if you're looking towards that someday, we'd love to start talking to you now. Um, we're looking for mechanics. We have our station here in Lakeland, so we definitely are looking for mechanics. Um, we do have, I think, a couple home-based mechanic positions, um, but a lot of them are at the stations throughout the country. Um, and, you know, we have admin jobs as well, but we are located, our headquarters is in Wilmington, Ohio. Uh, but yeah, come come and check us out. See what uh, we have to offer. Dispatchers, mechanics. Dispatchers. Yep. Pilots. You're hiring. Things are going great. We uh, put on seven. I think put on seven new stations in the past uh, for, in the first quarter of 2021. So has this uh, cervical sickness uh, caused anything? Uh, to go better or worse for you all? Well, people want to stay home and buy more from Amazon. <laughs> exactly. So. I think, the, I think it's worked out for, for them, um, and we're happy to see that uh, the people who have been furloughed, that they are getting back yes. to work as well, because it affects everybody. Even, even though we were hiring, um, it's hard to see you know, your, your fellow pilots not working. Right. Um, so we're very happy things are picking back up. Well, we appreciate that. We yep. appreciate you. And they can find you online. Correct. At? Um, what? At the airtransport.cc. Um, we're also, you could find uh, me and Nate on LinkedIn. Okay. And under our air transport, you can find us under there. And uh, you, we're on Facebook and Instagram and everything. And please come visit them at the air show here. Some great people here with ATI. They're hiring and uh, the industry's turning around. We're excited about you. We're excited to have you here at Lakeland as a residence, bringing jobs. And uh, well-paying jobs, too. Really do appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for coming here on the deck. Don't forget to go visit them. They're very friendly people to talk to. Doesn't matter how many hours you have, go talk to them. They're going to inspire you and the future aviators. We're going to go to a commercial break. Man, I cannot thank Green Bay Austin Straubel Airport enough for being such fantastic sponsors and helping us out, stepping in. Green Bay is a beautiful place. You're going to get there. You're going to go through Green Bay Airport. So uh, tell them you heard about them on Sun and Fun Radio, and I believe it's flygrb.com is their website. We'll confirm that for you, but Green Bay Austin's trouble. Welcome back to Chats from the Deck Live here at Sun and Fun. Sun and Fun Aerospace Expo, episode 2021. This is the 21 version. Of course, we missed last year, but we are so glad to be back. Now, Carl and I do Sun and Fun Radio. Um, I've been doing Sun and Fun Radio for years. I had been asked to step in and and do another fly-in radio, and I got to know the lady that was the organizer and chief poobah, grand poobah of the event. (laughs) And uh, she moved from that event, and she moved on to the DeLand Sport Aviation Showcase. It is my great pleasure and honor to introduce my friend, Jaina Phillip. Hello, Jaina. Hello. Thank you for having me back this year. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, I'm now, glad, I am glad that we are all here. Yeah, aren't we all glad we're here? Yes. Now, if you know of Showcase, you know of Showcase Live, which is something that rather than... I wanted to get involved in Showcase. I, the, I missed the first year, but I came to Jane and said I want to get involved. I run Showcase Live with my friend Mike Daniels. Uh, we're Coke team leaders on that. We do live video interviews from Showcase all day. Every day of the event, three-day event. 
And uh, so Jana and I, Jana's my, my boss there, so I kind of like it here because I can tell her. I can bark orders at her here, but I can't in the land. So. Yeah, you can. Yes, okay, you can. so Jana, let's cover the five, the five W's, who, what, why, where, when. Okay. Tell us about Showcase and, and what it's all about. Thank you. Uh, DeLand declared themselves a recreational airport uh, several years ago, and they just decided to make an initiative and it, to brace that and draw initiatives from there. So when I was brought in, my job is twofold. First of all, I plan a three-day international event in the fall, and it's dedicated to the sport aviation market. We have between 110 and 120 exhibitors there. Nice. It's more like a trade show for aircraft um, and everything that goes along with the aircraft and the pilot, all of their needs. Now, you're making that designation because Showcase doesn't do an air show every day Correct. like Sun and Fun Correct. does. Correct. Um, but there are demonstrations. There are as many interactive things as we could possibly pack into one day. That's the goal anyway. So our show is dedicated to the aircraft doing demo flights all day, every day. We don't close the airways for an aerobatic show. Um, hopefully someday we'll have an LSA that can do aerobatics. And, you know, we, we may close it for 15 minutes. But right now we have never closed our airways. You can do demo flights all day, every day. And every aircraft can pull out of their booth all day long. And I've got a crew to help you get out because that's what really sells the aircraft. And then, so we do that once a year. It's in the fall. This year we kick it off on Veterans Day, November 11 through 13. And the other part of my job is development of the village. Uh, Several years ago, the city of DeLand that owns the DeLand Municipal Airport dedicated 40 acres to uh, building, they called it the village, and whenever I think of village, I think of the village people or the villages here. But anyway. Which are both about the same age anymore. They are. But this this one is for for, um, manufacturing, assembly, avionics. My goal is diversity in the village and then bring in the home builder assist program so that you can just do everything that you need to do to build your aircraft right there in one spot. So the And the village is the tied in, to the airport, on the airport property? It's on the airport property, yep. The city of DeLand owns the airport, and um, it's on the east side. If you've ever been there to DeLand, the showcase is held on the west side of the airport, and the village is on the east side. A quick note about both of those, not this year, but the next year, both of those ramps will be rehabbed. So oh, cool. it'll be looking good. Yeah. And, and I love Showcase. I love going to Showcase because it, it reminds me of 40 years ago yep. when I started coming here. Exactly. And the entire campground was a little teardrop down there where the, where the Seaplane Pilots <laughs> Association building yeah. is. And I love it because everybody knows everybody. We're friends. You know, um, I've made several friends there volunteering with you, and I love volunteering with you and, and doing Showcase Live, of course. Well, we appreciate you being there. Showcase Live has brought um, a value-added component for our exhibitors because you come in, you do it on-site, it's live, it's fun, it's interactive, and then those exhibitors have that shelf life. 
to use yeah. that video or send their customers or potential customers there. So you guys work very hard. You keep saying it's fun. You work very, very hard, and we appreciate it. <laughs> somebody made the comment, just as an aside, and I think I've told you this story. Somebody made the comment to me that, or, that, or to somebody else, I've never seen Shellbetter so calm. <laughs> it's like, well... That's because at, at Sun and Fun, I'm solely responsible for 50 or more people. Right. At Showcase, right. I've got a team of four or five. Right, <laughs> right. And Mike shares the responsibility. So Exactly. Yeah, and I, I am it. really blessed that I have the team leaders that come back year after year. And that just they train the new uh, volunteers on each of their teams. And it just rolls along really smooth. So I'm really blessed in that respect to have you all. And you do a great job in, in as much as you let your you let your team leaders, as you call them, that's not fun they call them chairman, but right. you let your team leaders do their job. You tell them what you know they tell them what they need to do. Right. You let them do their job, but you're you're there to jump in and help if they yeah. need it. Well, so. thank you. You know, we've all been together for many years, and I, last year somebody said, "Well, I just stopped for a minute and thought, how would Jaina think?" <laughs> That's scary so, when you start thinking like Jacob. So WWJD is, has a new meaning in play. I guess. <laughs> I guess. But our goal is to make it fun. You know, we're just a small enough show. Yes, we want to grow within the sport aviation community, but it will remain dedicated to what we do at the airport, which is recreational aircraft and just recreational activities. Uh, skydive to land is very successful. Mm-hmm. They've now been on the airport campus for over 60 years, and they will drop 110 to 120,000 skydivers each year. Wow. Now, we've got about three minutes left, so pretend I am an aviation business. Why should I move my business to Deland Airport? Well, first of all, you are going to be a sport aviation or a recreation aviation, and you need to be in our backyard because it is so lively and so many people come in to that area. Um, to land the coast over around Daytona, going clear over to Apopka, it, and Spruce Creek is right there. It's really just an aviation enthusiast mecca. It is. And DeLand is right in the middle of all that. And I've got to tell you, DeLand is a great place to be. I moved there five years ago, and there has not been a single day that I've ever regretted it. It's a great community. Um, it's got the small-town feel. But yet, Daytona is 20 minutes away, and Orlando is 40 minutes away. So it's really the best of the best. And, and Deland is a great place. I, we, um, we had a trip up there scheduled. We wound up camp, canceling our trip up there in January, but it was still, you know, we, were, we went up, we drove through. We had, I, I tell you what, you, that airport cafe, the, um, and I got to say the Gin name. Mill? The Gin Mill. Yeah. The Gin Mill. It's Folks, well known. If you are ever anywhere near Deland, you have to go to the airport, go to the gin mill, and get a hamburger. It is the absolute best hamburger I have ever had. It is. And now, if you're flying in, the new 6,000-square-foot administration building has tie-downs right in front of it. You literally are 50 feet from the entrance to the restaurant when you fly in and tie-down. And you also have a pretty cool little museum there. We do. The Naval Air Museum is kind of like this hidden secret. It is. But during the showcase, we offer complimentary shuttle service to and from the, the Naval Museum. And just to go and talk to the guys that are the volunteers there and run it totally makes your day worthwhile. All right. We're just about out of time. We're speaking with Jana Phillip, 
And what is your actual title at Deland? It is Sport Aviation Administrator. Sport Aviation Administrator mm-hmm. and also Director of the Deland Sport Aviation Showcase. Mm-hmm. My friend, my buddy, my boss. Um, where can people find you on the web? We are at sportaviationshowcase.com. Okay. And does Deland Airport have a separate site? That is DeLandAirport.com. DeLandAirport.com, yeah, SportAviationShowcase.com. Yeah. Now here at Sun and Fun, where can they find you if they want to talk to you? I am in Paradise City in the LSA Mall, located inside the Llama Tent, and that's LP52. LP52. And for those of you that don't have a map in front of you, if you take the road that goes from the main showgrounds out towards, at, in through Paradise City... They're going to be, and you're going coming from the main grounds towards the big Noah hangar. They're going to be on your left. Most of all the displays, the biggest part portion of Paradise City is on the right. We've got some displays on the left. You got a pretty cool teepee looking tent. We do, yeah. Bright. We call it Big Blue and Little Blue. We've got two tents out there. Welcome back to the deck here at liveatc.net slash SNF Sun and Fun Radio. One of our favorite parts of the day is lunch with AOPA. Joining us on the deck right now is Tom Haynes and also Mark Baker. Welcome, guys, and I'm going to let you take it away, Tom. All right, Carl, thanks so much for uh, having us again. We always enjoy being here and talking to the Sun Fun listeners. And, uh, boy, what, what a great uh, time we're having this week. Mark, I don't know about you, but I am super happy to be back out and about and getting to travel and seeing aviation buddies again and, and all that sort of thing. Well, it does feel like uh, 2020 doesn't exist right now. We're back to, a, back to a situation where I really enjoy it. I can tell a lot of people out here are having a great time being back together and celebrating general aviation. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you've been out and about uh, a fair amount because, you know, we discovered fairly early on in the whole situation that, you know, a GA airplane is not a bad place to be. You can be socially isolated from 8,000 feet. Uh, and uh, so you've been traveling all over the country uh, over the last year. Uh, in variety of airplanes. So you've seen a lot of what's happened from a GA traffic standpoint. Uh, What have you observed? Well, it has been remarkable, Tom. All over the country, uh, the smiles on the face of these uh, FBO uh, operators selling gas, avgas, like crazy, is uh, is really remarkable. Then spending time with some of the flight schools around the country that now are booked out sometimes three, four, five months to get the first flight lesson. Uh, the exuberance in general aviation, and I've been around it for 40-plus years. I hate to say how many, but 40-plus. Right. Uh, I haven't seen this kind of exuberance for a long time, if ever. Because people are finding ways to use aviation from just a pure recreation, you know, a way to get around for their businesses. And really just, you know, exercising this privilege we call freedom to fly is something that people have really embraced uh, during this last year. Yeah, it really has been amazing to see. And, you know, we track the the traffic at the top 70-some airports and the GA traffic rates, particularly on the weekends over the last better part of a year, uh, after starting at about June and July of last year, been running 30s, 40 percent over 2019 numbers. So it's pretty fascinating the volume of traffic that's been out there. Well, it has. And here in the, in the Florida Peninsula, which is a great place to visit all year round, but right. more in the winter than in the summers for sure, you know, we saw some weekends uh, shortly after the holidays were 200 percent more GA traffic in this corridor than there was in 2019. 200%. Wow. And a lot of planes flying VFR, IFR. It was sometimes impossible to get an IFR pop-up uh, during the holidays. So 
Uh, we've been working with ATC and, and our members to remind them, file early so we can get those things uh, accommodated. But just to see that level of activity and going to dispersed airports. You know, the airlines were down 70%, 80% right. in the peninsula. And yet the, these airport, our airplanes, the little airplanes, were going to all these other airports rather than the big six. Mm-hmm. So it, it really dispersed the traffic, but it put uh, air traffic control at the uh, you know, they're working hard, really hard. They did a good job. Right. Yeah. And, of course, some of them were some of the centers and uh, approach controls were suffering from COVID situations. We had a few uh, ATC zero situations where they had to actually shut down facilities. So they, they had their own challenges in addition to a, a higher volume than usual of, of GA traffic, particularly during the holidays. But it's been remarkable when I've been out flying to see the amount of airplanes in the air and on the frequencies and, and also the flight schools, another segment of GA that, you know, got really devastated in April and into May. And then once again, they kind of figured out in most cases how to operate safely. And boy, they came right back. And uh, it seems like a lot of students out there training. Well, sure does. You know, I think uh, the AOPA website went to work pretty hard and explained how what the protocols were to clean and create the distancing, the, the kind of the safety protocols that were really, uh, I think, endearing people to say, we can go do this, go flying, and did. Uh, flight school is busy, ramps busy. And now the price of aircraft continues to rise every day right now because people want to buy a 172 or a Warrior or whatever it is and learn how to fly in it, or the flight schools are buying them up as fast as they can find them. It's been a pretty exciting time. If you happen to own an airplane, if you're looking for one, it's going to take a little extra work. Yeah, definitely. And we hear that flight school message time and time again about their inability. They want to expand. They just can't get a hold of training airplanes right now. And uh, so it's, it's actually kind of a... It's a problem, good problem, bad problem, I guess, depending, depending where you sit, if you're buying or selling an airplane. But if you, if you have an airplane that a flight school might be interested in, it's probably a good time to sell because they are hungry for airplanes. And the, the upgrades that they're getting, you know, is just uh, at a couple of the avionics suppliers here this morning. And they're just busy trying to pump out product on that end because people are taking older 1960s aircraft or 70s and putting, you know, nice GPSs in them with glass panels and uh, autopilots. Uh, it's really an exciting time to see GA just really boom, again, because of those three things, recreation, opportunity to travel for business, and maybe building a career. So I don't have, think that I can recall where all those things coalesce at the same time to create the demand that we see. Yeah, it does seem like uh, sort of a, a renaissance for aviation or general aviation right now with a lot of things aligning uh, kind of in our favor. Safety record has been pretty good, as our Air Safety Institute reports uh, GA fatal accident rate down by 50% over the last, uh, from, from 20 years ago. And a lot of interesting stuff going on in D.C. that's helpful from, uh, for GA, whether it's regarding special use airspace and a lot of other things. Yeah, special use airspace is one of those things that I think uh, is where the aviation community can, can come together, working with the Department of Defense and the FAA, to say, how, how do we turn on these uh, MOAs on and off like we do today with the TFR so that the routing can take you directly through there when it's not being used, which is often, but still maintain a readiness for our, our service members. The idea that we can do that today with the technologies and figure out a way to save $100 million a year in fuel for the aviation system because of direct routing that's been studied since 2012, I believe, uh, pretty darn exciting. And getting everybody across the aisles to work together to get that into a law, really cool. Right, yeah, and there's a nice environmental impact on that, too, with fewer emissions and more direct routing and that sort of thing. So that uh, that's helpful, too. And, um, you know, we've been reading, including I just saw something this morning, Williams International has done a test flight on a sustained uh, a- uh, sustainable aviation fuel. So there's a lot of work going on to uh, on aviation fuels on the, on the jet side. Of course, a lot of pilots here, I had a question this morning, just what's the status of the Avgas situation? And that's been something that's been worked on for uh, a decade or more. Uh, what are you hearing about that? 
So the uh, the initiative, uh, which was called PAFI, Piston Aviation Fuel Initiative, funded by Congress every year, five or six million dollars a year, still continues to be funded by Congress, uh, has been a, a, a lot of learning. And I guess when some people uh, get frustrated because it hasn't happened, we've learned that certain things can't work. So the study is actually do- is providing value by not taking us down into uh, fuels that may not be compatible with certain materials or certain temperatures and pressures and, and engines and the wide variety of engines we all fly. But there are some alternatives. You know, the 94-octane stuff is available for, call it, under 200-horsepower aircraft. Um, I do think there are going to be some STCs and some other fuel that are going to be near-term and available. Um, but I really think the Piston Aviation Fuel Initiative has to work so that the logistics get answered because it's not just one thing to make the fuel, finally get it accepted and approved by all makers and users and materials. It's another thing to get it, you know, in the system in a way that makes sense. And that's probably what we're working on as much now is how would the rollout really look of an alternative fuel, which we don't yet have. Right. But make sure that the rollout is something that doesn't leave us without fuel in certain areas. Yeah. So you're close to the, what's happening in Washington, both yourself and through our um, really extensive D.C. office. We've got uh, probably the largest uh, presence on Capitol Hill from any aviation organization. And they're really close to the FAA and Congress and, and that sort of thing. Um, I had a member ask me today um, whether we're concerned or not about under the current administration, whether we're going to see a big environmental push, you know, to to stamp out our leaded fuel ahead of potentially having a replacement. Do you have any concerns about that? Well, I always have concerns that, you know, but most of our role in D.C. that uh, Jim Coon and his team and, uh, lead, and I spend time down there, as you know, is educating uh, legislatures that are often new to their job about what makes sense and about safety. Uh, you know, this has been going on, as you know, for a long time. It doesn't matter which administration uh, is in power at that particular time. They all understand safety has to come first. So we have to find an alternative that is safe, you know, that is economical, and that it can be dropped into the current system. And if it was something that was simple, we'd all be in for it. We'd be using it right, right. now. Uh, and uh, yet we're not giving up on it either. So I think we've been able to be very nonpartisan about our views in, in aviation, why it's so important. We find a way, but we work together to make sure safety is number one, and then we'll find the alternative over time. Yeah. So, of course, maybe someday we'll be in a position where, you know, fuel is in the form of electricity, and there's a lot of development going on now, particularly in the trainer market, and maybe someday we'll see it higher, further up in the higher-performance airplanes, but around electric propulsion, and I know you're, this is something of, of interest to you. Certainly. I think electric propulsion, and, and, you know, there's lots of people working on it uh, here and, and in the Europe particularly. And I think it's, it's likely that we're going to see real training aircraft to be available in the next half a dozen years uh, in quantities that make sense. And it'll do two things. Uh, one, it'll lower the cost of flying quite likely uh, because of the maintenance that goes on with electric motors, tens of thousands of hours, right. uh, not 2,000 hours. Um, the cost of maintaining all of the moving parts in a piston aircraft is much higher. And I think the idea that you could learn how to fly simpler, you don't have to worry about carb heat, you don't have to worry about checking the oil, your CG is not going to change, your center of gravity, uh, is very darn exciting. And I think the technologies have now got us pretty comfortable. They can have a two- to three-hour training aircraft available, uh, which would be ideal for most training schools at lower cost. So I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're supporting the idea that it could be a real alternative. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it uh, as well. be exciting to see what the future holds. Carl. Well, guys, thanks for coming here. Lunch with AOPA is one of my favorite shows every day. been doing it for years. We love what you're doing at AOPA, the advocacy and also the education. And hats off to you folks. You keep growing and getting better every year. Well, gosh, thanks so much. I appreciate the shout-outs. And thanks to the crew here at Sun and Fun Radio. You guys work so hard. 
uh, you know, Let's Talk Flying podcast. There's a lot of other podcasts out there. Let's not forget also the volunteers that put this together here at Sun and Fun. Uh, all of us at all the different podcasts, aviation podcasts, uh, we come out here and we volunteer. But we, we, we do it because we love aviation. Speaking of loving aviation and keeping aviation alive, one of my favorite organizations, one that I've been a member for many, many years, is AOPA. And my favorite segment, uh, one of my favorite segments uh, here at Sun and Fun Radio, is, is uh, lunch with AOPA. Tom Haynes and also Mark Baker, uh, welcome back to the deck, and thanks so much for staying with us today. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot going on. Let's touch on that for just real briefly, and then I want to talk a little bit about flying, some fun stuff. So remind us where you are and also what, what AOPA is doing here today at Sun and Fund. Yeah, well, uh, we got a lot going on, uh, as Mark knows, and uh, among the things, make sure you come by our booth and look at the uh, the Grumman Tiger we got sitting out front, our, our latest sweepstakes project, and it's going to be uh, really something when it's done. The airplane that's here is kind of representative of our airplane uh, from a panel standpoint. It's got a Garmin G3X Touch panel in it, which is phenomenal when you consider that uh, it's a 19, late 1970s airplane and what the capabilities that that brings. But our actual airplane is is at J Air Center uh, near Chicago getting um, a uh, the panel installed, an overhauled engine, electric uh, MT propeller, electric constant speed propeller, so that'll be kind of a nice upgrade. So make sure you come by and check out the panel and uh, sweepstakes airplane. And uh, and we got some seminars going on and come by. We've got some special uh, discounts going on for membership uh, and hats and, and all that sort of thing. Well, it's a lot of fun to just to see members smiling and talking about being at an aviation event for the first time in more than right. a year. Yeah, absolutely. It is terrific to have you here. You know, one thing we, we are, we'd be remiss not to talk about is flying. And uh, by the way, it's a beautiful day to fly. Wonderful airplanes out there. I love the little Cherokees. I love, you know, the Cessna 172s. Warbirds are awesome. But we all fly different types of aircraft. But it all started with general aviation. How about you, Mark? Have you been flying at all? <laughs> yes, a lot. <laughs> you know, it's been a kind of a year where we've had the opportunity to fly, you know, for either see some friends or do some business around the country. And I've had the opportunity to fly everything from my Super Cub last week and up to Tavares to the seaplane splash. Oh, wow. I brought my 185 in here uh, yesterday. Uh, so I've had an opportunity to do that. And, uh, uh, you know, we've flying, geez, Baron, a couple other airplanes uh, pretty regularly. So. Lots of stuff going on, and I've got a, a project on a 1943 Widgeon I'm working on now at the, in my hangar in Minnesota. Wow, a 43 Widgeon. Yeah. Gosh, I, uh, my wife's uh, grandfather had one, and uh, back in about that time frame, 50s, uh, and what a beautiful aircraft that is. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Widgeon. I think some people don't know what it is. So the Widgeon uh, came out uh, pre-war, actually, uh, on, tailing on the Goose. The Goose was a, a bigger uh, airplane, engine by 985 radials. And they decided to come out with this uh, sportsman's airplane, was the original intent in 1940. And so they built a few of these things with Ranger engines, with wood propellers. And uh, the first advertising, which I have some of the pictures of, you know, was about people fishing off the wing and you yes. know, going to all this adventure <laughs> hunting trips and stuff in the forest. And the war broke out. And they converted them pretty quickly to patrol planes. So the large majority of the widgeons that were built, nearly 400 of them, were built uh, to use depth charges. And they built them through the war, uh, and they became patrol planes for submarine or on the, the coasts. And uh, some of them did drop a few depth charges. I don't know how well they actually did. Um, and uh, they uh, stopped building them in the U.S. in like 45, and they built a few of them in France after the war as a project of people building aircraft over there. Uh, but there's about uh, somewhere less than 20 in the world flying right now. There's probably another 20 that are in some stage of project. But they are a pretty cool airplane. If you remember the, the little uh, TV show, um, 
uh, Fantasy Island. Yes. Deplane, Deplane. That's yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. So when you're restoring this, and I know some people, they don't think about ALPA as far as restoration is concerned. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, what type of support can somebody get who's restoring? Well, one of the reasons we do these uh, aircraft giveaways that Tom's been involved in for a long time, more than 30 years, is uh, to really show what uh, art of the possible. These airframes and these wings are really good. The aluminum has been built well in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And in many cases, the uh, propulsion can be upgraded to either a bigger engine or, you know, electronic ignition on one side and other things. And I, we have a lot of people in our office in the Pilot Information Center that can help you get redirect either to the owner's group that really, really study that one particular model and get a lot of support for that. A lot of the articles that uh, Tom's team puts together in, in Pilot Magazine are all about upgrading these older airplanes and, and figure out what is the best path to make them safer, better, and you know, invest in these things in the future. And today, it actually is an investment because the price of these old airplanes are going up. They sure have been going up. We were just talking about that offline is, is the challenges of, of finding a new aircraft. This restoration project, how long do you think it's going to take you? Oh, boy. Well, I, I know it'll fly in the summer. I just don't know if it's 21 or 22. <laughs> What's your... Uh, it started out with it had a bunch of fuel leaks, which took a, a good team of folks that I had to hire to go in there and scrape the fuel tanks with their integral fuel. Um, and now it's, uh, that's got done at some modest expense. And then uh, the whole panel is being torn out of it, so we'll put a new panel in it with uh, some more modern equipment so you can have better situational awareness in the thing, better fuel gauges, a good... I mean, real fuel gauges. Real fuel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, an interior upgrade, and if I have time this year, I'd like to get it painted, but that'll be last. I'd like to get it flying sometime this summer. Um, but, it, you know, you want to do it right, and you get a lot of sign-offs that are required, a lot of inspections required to make sure it's done right. And we have a responsibility. I think of it myself. I take on one of these projects every few years. Don't ask me why. Why? Um, <laughs> but the idea is, you know, we're stewards of these great aircraft mm-hmm. that exist today. And I, I feel that, you know, if I have the capacity to help you know, protect these things and make some investments that somebody's going to enjoy this airplane 20, 30 years from now. And we appreciate you doing that and all those people that restore aircraft and, and keep them alive and keep them flying right. from the little Piper Cherokee all the way to Widgeon and a B-25. That's right. Appreciate it all, of them, that's for <laughs> sure. You know, how about you, Tom? Have you been flying at all? Sure. Well, my A36 Bonanza brought me down here uh, earlier in the week from Maryland, and we had a great flight. And uh, it was wonderful to get out. It's the longest uh, cross-country I've done since, I think, August. So uh, wonderful to get, get out and stretch her wings a little bit. She's done been mostly shorter trips. But it is uh, just to build on what you were talking about, amazing situational awareness and capabilities. My airplane turns 50 next year. Uh, wow. It's a 1972 model. And uh, the capabilities in its current panel, the G500 and synthetic vision and um, satellite-delivered uh, uh, radio or weather, and we've got weather and traffic in the cockpit uh, and, and ADS-B and all this sort of thing. It's just just phenomenal compared to what that old girl left the fa- Wichita factory in in 1972. So um, it, it really astounds me. Every time I fly it, I'm just impressed by what you can do with an older airplane and the capabilities you can bring it. And interestingly, you know, Beechcraft just announced uh, this week that they've got a special program going on for the G36, the 75th anniversary oh, edition wow. of the G36. Next year is the 75th anniversary of the Bonanza. have been in continuous production since 1947. I don't know of any other airplane that has been in continuous production for that long. And so that just uh, says something about uh, well, the fantastic work those designers did back in the 40s to create what has become just, you know, the, the quintessential general aviation airplane and uh, just a wonderful flying airplane. Testament to the actual manufacturing and the continued support yeah. through Beechcraft. Uh, what do you like the most about flying the airplane? 
Oh, I think the handling. You know, it's just yeah. a wonderful handling airplane. You feel so connected to it. Uh, and uh, it just responds, uh, you know, it's not a squirrely airplane, you know, it can be quite stable for an instrument approach or something like that, but it's just very responsive and you feel like you can really, in, you're in tune with it, particularly when you, like I've owned this one for 22 years, <laughs> so I'm particularly in tune with it. The, the tool that it's, it is, it, amazingly how you can go from Maryland here to Florida and then head on out to the Keys and head out to the Bahamas. Uh, touch on that a little bit, what that's done and how that's changed your life. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And you're right. This, this airplane in particular has been a great tool for us, uh, me personally and for AOPA, because we use it a lot for the magazine photography. So much of the photography you see in our magazines and the videography on our website uh, has been shot from my airplane. We take the doors off the A36 and have this big uh, opening, and we fly formation with other airplanes. We do air-to-ground photography and video, and so well, this airplane has been a real workhorse. I often say that I think it's flown almost as much time with the doors off as with the doors on, <laughs> uh, and it's great because we can load it up with photographers, videographers, all their gear. We can fly somewhere halfway across the country, take the doors off, do multiple photo shoots, put it all back together again, and go home. You know, we're talking to Mark Baker and Tom Haynes, both from AOPA. And if you notice for the past few minutes, uh, we haven't talked about the organization. We've talked about airplanes and flying. It was a bit purposeful. Uh, is the fact that at AOPA, the people that are involved are passionate about aviation. Uh, in both the leadership level, like yourself, to all the different levels within the organization. Uh, there's many different aircraft that these people own and that they fly. Uh, just remember that when you're talking to somebody at AOPA and you're reaching out, they're, they're flying airplanes just like us. Uh, they're, they're, they are the people that are sharing the skies with us. They're truly ambassadors to aviation, but also they're our friends. And, and we really appreciate that. We appreciate that you folks really are passionate about flying. Just have a couple of minutes left here, uh, but I, I would like to make sure that we touch on one more thing, and that's uh, the Airport uh, Aviation Safety Institute. Uh, and we want to talk a little bit there because uh, one of the things I think is really important to get people in aviation is safety. Uh, and, and one of the things that you folks have done is brought it to another level uh, with seminars and also advocacy. Can you talk a little bit about what, what that is that I'm talking about, the Airport Safety Institute? Yeah, sure. The, the AOPA Air Safety Institute is an arm of AOPA and has been in existence in one, one form or another since the uh, early 50s and has really become sort of the place that people turn to for aviation safety information, whether it's statistics about uh, accidents, uh, which our null report is famous for, and it's been recently updated to be basically a digital product constantly updated, uh, to uh, some of the amazing safety seminars that they, that they produce and uh, won many awards for and really engaging. Mark, I know you're a big fan of those too. Well, yeah, I am, Tom, and I think it is one of those factors that unfortunately still wind up at News at 11 with an aviation incident. But the reality is we, we've seen you know, half the fatal rates are of serious accidents in the last 20 years. It's, uh, people are paying attention. They've got better situational awareness with their equipment that they put in the airplanes. Well, I think we're up to, what, 12 million views on YouTube, people right. accessing safety information. People who see AOPA and the investment that has been done largely by donors uh, to have this free information out there, they can be much safer and see what went wrong on unfortunate accidents, but learn from it and apply it. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, and and it, it, the quality of the production of the, the latest uh, products that they've been producing is just astounding, and it's all, almost all done in-house. We have a wonderful team of uh, videographers and, and really creative folks who put, put those things together. They've won many awards, and like you say, they get, get lots and lots of views. I really like the among the latest series, really focusing on some of the insurance issues, and that's something pilots are talking about big time. Is uh, 
one of the uh, challenges of getting insurance or getting insurance at a reasonable rate. And so um, the insurance, our Air Safety Institute has started a series of videos, uh, four of them, that's sponsored actually by the insurance industry to help pilots better understand uh, the things that cause the most um, claims by the insurance companies. And so things like uh, prop strikes on, a, on a, a taxiway light or taxing into another airplane, hangar rash, and, and those kind of things. And it's all to help them, uh, pilots, understand what those risks are. I'll tell you, hats off to you and the fact that both of you have been passionate aviators and you keep things moving forward with AOPA. I, I write that check every year and am very happy to do it. Uh, it's a very small cost uh, for all that I get as a member. There's so many things that you can get involved with. I love the outreach programs that you have. Actually, the air show is going to start a little earlier than we, we thought it was, so we're going to cut off to that, but they can find you at aopa.org. Don't forget, at the tent here, seminars all throughout the day. Some very intelligent people that both love to advocate for aviation but also love to fly. We're going to go to the air show live. You're listening to liveatc.net slash SNF. You can listen to the air show all throughout and also listen to us on 1510 AM if you're driving by. Let's go to the show. The After Landing Checklist. Well, I hope you enjoyed those interviews live from the deck at Sun and Fun Radio, and that was on April 15th on a Thursday. And we're going to have more of these. Uh, you know, Of course, we've got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday interviews coming up some of the field interviews, too, and, uh, and live shows and all that we've done throughout the week. If you notice, it's a little bit out of order. Uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to do the, the deck interviews in order, but the reason being is because of the fact that, you know, we've, uh, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of crew there uh, this year as far as from the Stuck Mike Avcast, and uh, it really, uh, you know, was one of those challenges just because of, of what's been going on. But I do appreciate everybody that's actually uh, been out there and volunteering on the deck for Stuck Mike Avcast and all the other podcasts. You can find uh, links in the show notes. I really appreciate listening. We'll uh, talk to you in the next episode where we're going to have more live from Sun and Fun 2021. Safe line out there. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.